Welcome to the St. Andrew Sunday Morning Sermon Podcast. No matter who you are, where you've been, what you believe, or whether you even believe at all, you belong here. Our reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, in the New Revised Standard Edition. Hear now the word. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables saying, listen, a sower went out to sow and as he sowed some Seeds fell in the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, And the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Friends, if you have ears, hear. May God add a blessing to the reading of the word. So good seeds, everybody. So good seeds, everybody on the mountain, down in the valley. You're going to reap just what you sow. Hark the voice of Jesus calling, who will come and wake the dead. Tombs of mercy, harvest waiting, here I am. Mercy me, so good seeds, everybody, so good seeds, everybody, on the mountain, down in the valley, you're going to reap just what you sow. So I, uh, I read a, a study this week that hit me pretty hard. It was, it was discouraging, although it does confirm what I have sensed throughout the course of my whole ministry. Before I get to that, let me just say, every week, I or Amy or Jerry, we get up here and we, we preach. And to get to this spot, we spend hours and hours, probably somewhere around 10 to 12 or more hours, studying a scripture, uh, jumping into commentaries, pursuing clues and ideas, and then we sit down and we write and we rewrite and we rewrite some more. This thing called a sermon, which is what I'm giving you right now. And then every Sunday we stand up here and in about 20 minutes we give that very sermon. Pretty confident that it's going to change your life. <laughs> Maybe even the world. But according to the latest study that I read this week, it turns out that you will forget Most of what I say sometime between the closing benediction 
and the parking lot. <laughs> we humans, we retain only about 5 to 10% of what we hear through spoken communication. And even if we're listening intently, which I know you are right now, we will lose about 40% of what we hear after just two minutes. And it goes downhill from there. After six hours, you will retain or lose about 60% of what you heard. After a, a, a week, you'll lose about 90% of what you heard. And this, by the way, is why ministers go to therapy. <laughs> because it feels a bit hopeless sometimes. I mean, you remember at best about 10% of what we say. We have maybe two minutes tops to get through to you before you're starting to think, I'm sorry, did someone say something? I mean, it's so bad that even the phrase preaching to the choir seems a bit irrelevant, doesn't it? <laughs> and from a purely business perspective, you could argue that uh, a 10-minute retention rate or 10% retention rate on a, on a 10 to 12-hour investment of my time, it doesn't really look so good on paper. And there's a metric that measures kind of these things objectively in life. It's called return on investment. ROI. And ROI is the basic metric we use to, to quantify the profitability of a particular investment. It compares what we get out of it compared to what we had put into it at the end of the day. It answers the question, did I get out of this endeavor more than I put into it? And in our culture, ROI applies to a lot of things in our experiences in life. We all want to know what's the return on my investment. For example, uh, this friendship or this romantic relationship, is it going to fill my bucket or drain it? Uh, is free climbing El Capitan without a rope worth the risk of seriously dying if I fall? Uh, is scrolling through TikTok videos for hours and hours, is that really going to make me a better person? The ROI for any particular investment uh, might be different from those three, but if you are going to invest real money or real time into something really important, you're probably going to ask yourself uh, two questions. One, what is the probability or the likelihood of a payout here? And number two, what is the percentage net gain that I expect? Probability and percentage. If you're not following me, and just consider this last week's uh, Powerball lottery. I don't encourage you to play the Powerball, uh, but if you do and you happen to win, um, please let me know. <laughs> the percentage gain on buying a $2 winning ticket last week was... 10 to the ninth power. That's a lot of zeros. That's an astronomical, unfathomable return. However, the probability of an actual payout was just about 1 in 290 million plus. Not super great. This is why we call it gambling and not businessing, because the lottery is a really bad business strategy. Every good person, every good business person knows that ROI looks for favorable odds. Yeah, I got a good chance. And a favorable return. I like it. Right? 
And then Jesus tells this parable this morning that blows our ROI assumptions right out of the water. The story is about a farmer who goes around planting seeds. And I don't know what school of farming this particular guy went to, but he seems to be doing it all wrong according to the story. He's just scattering seeds everywhere, indiscriminately, even recklessly, with no apparent strategy for where the seeds will land. And you know this is not how a a farmer grows a business. Seed is a valuable, expensive commodity. And this farmer is negligent, even wasteful. He's not careful or meticulous or intentional about where the seed lands. It, he just throws it everywhere and it lands everywhere. Some seed falls on the path. I mean, really, is it that hard to avoid the path? And some seed falls among the rocky or gravelly soil and some falls among where the weeds are, thornies, weeds. Um, this is a, a high-risk, low-probability form of investing. And none of these seeds has any chance of growing at all. The odds are insurmountable. In fact, it turns out in the story, some seeds are eaten by the birds, some are scorched by the sun, some, you know, are choked out by the weeds. And you look at this farmer and you think, what a simp, Right? Just when you think you're ready to write this guy off as a, as a fool, Jesus says, well, actually, some seed fell in good soil. In fact, not only did it fall there, but it grew. And it, not only did it grow, but it produced this amazing harvest, this harvest beyond the farmer's wildest dreams. Some of it produced a hundredfold return, and some 60, and some 30. This is an odd story, even unbelievable for most of us. When you think about this, the, the farmer's seed, it, it falls in four different types of soil, and three of which are completely inhospitable, and the odds of growing anything there are improbable. In other words, only 25% of the soil is actually likely to produce anything at all. And then we find out that it produces 100x, 80x, even 30 we would take 30x, we would take 10. In other words, improbable odds produce exponential returns, low probability, this incredible payout. And we say, Jesus, this is not how the world works at all. And Jesus says, well, I didn't say that's how the world works. I'm just saying this is how God works. I said earlier, you're not going to remember much of this sermon which brings me a great deal of joy because when I think about Jesus and his teachings, not many people remembered what he said either or even understood it because of these crazy, ridiculous, unbelievable stories he told. Maybe you've heard some of them. One popular one is about this petulant kid who one day asks his father for his inheritance early. He says, Dad, I know you're not dead yet. But can we pretend that you are? So I can live my life the way I want to live my life. I mean, can you imagine? And yet dad, dad Venmos his investments all over to the boy. And this kid gets on a plane on Southwest and he, he flies to Vegas and he blows all of it 
on the craps table. And when he has nothing left, he comes back and he begs for mercy. He puts on this Oscar-winning act and his father forgives him. And we would say, well, this father is a codependent. This guy's a pushover. He's got, he needs some serious emotional boundaries. And Jesus says, well, that father is like God. Forgiving, always. Never, ever going to throw in the towel if it means God's got a chance with you. There was one about a rancher. This is one of my favorites. This rancher has a beautiful ranch and it's harvest time and someone needs to harvest and and so she jumps in her old Ford pickup and she goes into town and she hires a bunch of day laborers. She brings them back and they get to work and she realizes, oh, I need more laborers. It's a big, big harvest. Back and forth all day long, bringing back more until the job is done. And when the day is over and the harvest is done, she lines all the workers up, those that started at 8 o'clock and those that started at 4, and she pays them all the same wage. It's a pretty good, pretty good deal for the late crew, don't you think? And we would say, um, that's not fair. Uh, that's no way to run a business, and I'm sure there's a labor law violation somewhere in this. And Jesus says, well, God is like that farmer. She's always generous, even to the least deserving. The parables are lessons not in morality or good behavior. They're lessons in the in the deep mysterious nature of who God is and how God acts and loves and how often we come up short. Parables by nature, they they don't make much rational sense because God doesn't make much rational sense to the human mind. And so this farmer sows seeds and just throws them indiscriminately everywhere without paying attention to where they land. He's careless. And we'd say that's a sketchy business model. It's no way to sow seeds. But this isn't a lesson on modern farming practices any more than Moby Dick is a lesson on deep sea fishing, right? This is a story about a a God who is a soulful speculator, a divine contrarian, a magnanimous sower of seeds who doesn't care about good soil and bad soil and just throws seeds everywhere. And while we are out looking for an ROI and a sure thing in our investments, God is out in the world and in your life right now just blanketing everything with grace and possibility, luring, wooing, beckoning those seeds to grow. God is like that. God is Diana Ross singing, ain't no mountain high enough and ain't no river wide enough and ain't no valley deep enough to keep me from getting to you, babe. (laughs) Thorny, rocky, shallow soil. I mean, who knows if it's going to grow. And in the story that you heard read from Amy, it it doesn't. Those seeds don't, but it doesn't stop God. If If the soil of your life doesn't produce anything this year, God will just go see that soil again next year. Annie Dillard's a great writer, Pulitzer Prize-winning writer, and she wrote an autobiography of her life called American Childhood. She grew up in Pittsburgh, very smart kid, 
At the age of 15, she said she went to the public library there in her sit town and she read every book on the shelf. And after reading everything that she read, she determined that God didn't exist. And so she went to her pastor one day, made a, scheduled a meeting with him and sat down and said, I want my name off the membership roll. I don't believe in God anymore. And the pastor said, okay. Dillard said, you're not going to try to talk me out of this? And the pastor said, no, no, you're, you're way too smart for me. Um, there's no way I could argue you back in. She said, I want my name off the roll. And he said, it's off. And she said, okay. And she walked out. And as she was walking out, the pastor muttered under his breath, she'll be back. And Dillard said she turned around and said, what did you say? And he said, I just presume that someday you'll be back. And she said, this is my life. I want to live it the way I want to live it. I'm not coming back. And he said, okay. And in her autobiography, she says, as I write this, I'm 48 years old. And I'm back. This is not a parable about soil. If it were, you could look in your Bibles and it would say at the heading, the parable about the four types of soil. But if you look in your Bibles, it says the parable of the sower. Because this is about a God who just doesn't care what you think about where God should scatter seeds. God will just scatter seeds where God wants to and wait. And if nothing comes up, God will do it again next year. God is magnanimous that way. That's a word we don't use. In fact, you can't say the word really without smiling. Magnanimous. I said earlier, you're probably not going to remember anything I say in this sermon today. But if you remember just one thing, remember this. I think it's helpful. Magnanimous is a, it's a word that comes from two Latin words. Magnus, meaning, of course, great. And animus, meaning soul or spirit. And to be a magnanimous person is to be big of soul and spirit. To have such a big heart, a heart that is so full of abundance that you can afford to give away some of it, even to the thorny, rocky, shallow soil. God is magnanimous. And don't you want to be remembered as a magnanimous person? Years ago, I... I received a, an email from somebody I hadn't heard from in 20 years. He and his wife attended the very first church I started in Orange County, California. I would say they did, but mostly she did. She attended with her kids. He was, he was a, a great, successful Wall Street trader. He was a pro-amateur golfer. And so while his family was praying in church on Sunday, he was praying on the putting greens on Sunday. And yet, uh, he'd come to church occasionally, I'd see him, and, and then one day they were just gone. They just moved. Didn't even tell me. And I never heard from them again until about six years ago. I was in my office just down this hallway when I opened up my laptop and there was an email from Dave. And this is what he said, almost verbatim. He said, as a pastor, sometimes you don't know what happens when you sprinkle seeds in someone's life. Did they fall on dry crack ground? Did they fall on fertile soil? He said, you planted seeds 20 years ago and my life, was, my soil was very dry. 
He said, I was a child of the world. I was blind to anything and everything but my own selfish desires. But he said, I, I was in your church. And when I was there, I listened. And, and that's why I wanted you to know today, 20 years later, that I've devoted my life to serving God. As I've gotten to re-know him over the years, it turns out it was a, a, a mission trip to Africa that changed his life. He saw poverty and he saw the desperation of people in a certain village and he couldn't stop thinking about it. And so he used his own resources and wealth to form a global foundation to help the people of Nakuru, Kenya. He built a little school there on a dump site because it was at the dump site where the children would gather every day to search for food. And today, there are more than 200 students in his school. Families come for counseling and medical services. He recently wrote a book about his experiences called I Am Not a Grasshopper. And when I think of Dave, I think of God, a magnanimous God who sowed seeds in the improbable, inhospitable soil of a a dump site hoping, praying that something would come up. Can I tell you this this morning? You are neither good soil nor bad soil. Sometimes we think in these binary terms. Some Christians think they are, well, they're so proud, they think they're great, great soil. When sometimes you realize they're just a, a pile of manure. But others are so spiritually shut down and ashamed and traumatized by church, by the world, by somebody else, that they think they're just bad soil, living a life of shame. The truth is, we're not either good soil or bad soil. We're both. Only I don't like those categories of good and bad soil. Maybe you can think of yourself as fertile soil and undeveloped soil. Can I tell you, you have so much undeveloped soil in your life. You have things that you need to work on, issues, as we say, rocks, thorny stuff. You got a hardened pathway in your heart, and God wants to get to work on that, and God is already working on that. And can I say, look at your life. Look at the soil of your life and work on those things that need to be worked on, and then expect that God will plant seeds there and care for those seeds, invest in them, protect them. But also you have great soil in your life, fertile soil. So much fertile soil that you often don't know that God is already working in that because you can't see it. So look at your life again and behold the good things that God is doing in you and through you and around you and because of you and care for these things. Protect them fiercely. Don't let the world steal them. Invest in them and invest in the things that make them grow. And I could name a few of those things, but you'd forget them. (laughs) But it is stewardship season, and as I think about my own commitments that I make as a pastor financially to this church, I invite you to do this. Think about the soil that is your life and that is St. Andrew and the good things that this church is doing to change the world and to change lives. To think about this magnanimous God that we worship and to seek to be like that. Because you've probably already forgotten everything I've already said. 
Let's make it easy. Two points. God is magnanimous. Be magnanimous like God. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church or our vision to eradicate social isolation and disconnection by practicing the faithful presence of the incarnate Christ, please visit GoStAndrew.com. See you next week.